Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. All right, everyone, welcome to Seller Roundtable. This is our first inaugural Seller Roundtable, uh, the official first one. Uh, the the uh, ones prior were, were a beta test to see if this format would actually work. Um, and uh, first guest ever, which is pretty uh, pretty awesome, is uh, Danny Carlson. He's from uh, Kenji ROI. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You're pronouncing that correctly. A lot of people say Kenji Roy, but it is in fact ROI, standing for Return on Investment. Yes. That, that's that's what I thought. Anybody in, in the business uh, for long enough should 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 know that. But yeah, uh, I've had people call uh, seller SEO uh, CEO. So you know, <laughs> real really with SEO, yeah, seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh, it happens. No biggie. Tomato, tomato. So uh, anyway, um, yeah. So um, if what if uh, what we're gonna do is we'll just start out with questions. If anybody has any off the bat, um, which uh, doesn't look like there's any yet, but hopefully you guys can uh, can uh, do some uh, questions. Um, what I like to do too is just unmute everybody, and <clears throat> or actually I can I can unmute. Uh, uh, one at a time, you guys can just say what's up if you want to. If not, uh, then you, you're welcome to stay quiet. So I'm going to go ahead and unmute everyone. All right. Anybody want to say what's up? Nope. We want to stay silent. All right. <laughs> it's too early for everybody. I guess so. <laughs> All right. All right. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe when... Uh, let's see. Okay. Maybe when some more people get uh, get in and people get a little more comfortable... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm surprised we don't have more people off the bat. We had like forty some people registered, but um, yeah, hopefully we'll get more of jump again. But anyway, <clears throat> okay. What we'll do here is um, we'll start out, I guess, with the training since nobody has a, a question to start out with. And mine's uh, it's it's kind of basic, but it's it's actually stuff that um, is pretty valuable. Um, you know, a lot of times we get people coming to us with various problems, and uh, these are kind of like the breakdowns of um, you know of what people come to us with on their Amazon business and kind of um, how you can try to avoid those on your own by, you know, doing, uh, you know, certain action steps. So, um, Danny, I'm sure you get this too, cause you're, you, you take on clients and stuff and it's probably, um, you, you probably see a lot of the, this kind of same stuff going on. But, um, so a lot of the biggest mistakes I see new and experienced Amazon sellers, uh, make is first thing is they try to do everything themselves. Um, and this is an easy one to fall into, um, for multiple years on my Amazon business, I did this. Um, and I think it's generally just cause you're lazy. You're like, Oh, I don't want to go through the, the hassle of, um, you know, trying to find VAs or, um, trying to build systems for those VAs and things like that. Um, but what I found is once I finally dug in and, and started doing that, uh, he, he, it's actually a lot more lazy to do it that way because you, you have a little more setup time, but in the long run, you, you you're getting to offload so much work from, yourself that you get to concentrate on the stuff that uh, gives you better ROI. <laughs> so um, that's kind of my first um, tip is to um, you know hire out. And uh, Danny's in the Philippines and a good resource is onlinejobs.ph, which is a, a Filipino VA workforce. Um, it's uh, what I found with, with online jobs though, is that you really have to vet. You have to go through I mean, sometimes we go through like five or six people in a position before we get somebody who's solid and shows up to work and, um, you know, does a good job. So just, uh, you know, don't give up. If you get a, a couple people off the bat that aren't very good, just, just keep trying. You'll, you'll find somebody who's good. Um, you know, you also have like Upworks, another one. Um, I, 
think uh, Elance, no, not Elance. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Elance merged into Upwork. Um, anyway, there's a bunch of freelance sites out there. Um, oh, free up. Oh, Danny, you got muted somehow. Did you? Oh, yeah, I think you. There we go. I might have done it when I yeah, muted everyone. everyone at the same time. <laughs> Sorry so, about that. Um, yeah, free up. Yeah, like I'm here in the Philippines, and there is dozens and dozens of companies that they hire Filipino workers and then mark them up. And yep. in my experience, I've hired lots of people from sites like that. I've hired lots of people from sites where there is no middleman. I always go with sites where there is no middleman now. I really don't see very much value in the sites that they're either going to add a percentage onto the hourly wage of the virtual assistants or they're going to give a finder's fee of usually about $500 to pair you up with the right person. When really, you should be learning that skill yourself of how to find yeah. and hire good talent. That is Absolutely. a very important skill as a business owner beyond right. just a virtual assistant with so many roles. So definitely look for like virtual staff finder or online jobs at PH. Mm-hmm. Or um, if, if you're doing it on Upwork, then try to quickly get them paid off of Upwork. So yep. you're not paying that extra 20% or exactly. 500 bucks. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, and another cool tool to combine with, with those virtual workers is uh, what we use is a, a website called Hubstaff, um, which is really cool because it, <clears throat> it'll track time, it'll automate payments, um, and it also does like uh, random screenshots so you can make sure that your VA is you know, staying on task. Um, because we have seen, you know, VAs will cheat some will, <laughs> the, the ones that aren't the good ones will cheat. So you, you have to kind of keep an eye on them. So, um, that's kind of the, the first tip. Um, second tip is, um, and I see this a ton and especially around Q4, you get all these people jumping into Amazon thinking they're going to make like a quick buck. And like, I'm selling my inventory. I'm out, you know, like I'm paying long-term storage and all this kind of stuff. And, um, it, I hate to say it, but it kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, you know, th- these people who just jump in and jump out that, you know, it, I'm sure they do that for every, you know, any kind of business or any kind of thing that they're doing. Amazon business is like no other business. You know, it's like every other business. I mean, um, you know, you got to put in the work and if you're not willing to put in the work, uh, then you're not going to succeed. It's just like anything, um, you know, with like seller SEO. I, I'm usually in my office building before anybody else. I'm usually the last one to leave. Um, I'm constantly, uh, if you've ever tried to get a hold of me, like I'm constantly on Facebook messenger. Um, if you own your own business, you gotta be willing to put in the time. Um, and if you're a smart business person, you can hopefully, um, Danny's got an early start. I had an early start as well. Um, but back then you didn't have YouTube and all these awesome resources where you can learn like anything in the world. So I, I, I had to kind of teach myself there <laughs> nowadays you can, you can find, uh, you know, you can find everything online. Um, so you can, you can get success earlier in life. I feel a little easier uh, than when I started. But the good thing about that is I have a enormous uh, tool set. Uh, you know, I, I can pretty much do anything now uh, to, you know, building a server from scratch to setting up uh, email servers to, you know, Photoshop to anything. I've pretty much taught my myself everything. So my point there is that you just got to really, you got to have dedication and you got to like what you do. If, if you're just trying to get on Amazon to make a quick buck, um, you might do it. But if you don't enjoy what you're doing you, you, in the long term, it's not going to work out for you. So, um, you know, continue to learn and don't give up, you know, so soon if, if uh, Amazon's something that you're really committed to. Yeah, this is something, unfortunately, I see a lot of sellers, they come to us looking for, you know, listing optimization services of some kind. And I can tell within the first five minutes of talking with them on the phone, whether or not they are really committed to something like the mindset of, I need to make this happen. Um, like no matter what on the first round, 
is very obvious, right? They don't want to invest in in things that are going to make their business go forward. They want to skip on things like inspections. You know, you don't want to skip on your product inspection right. because you need that. They're, they're just worried about making the first round of inventory profitable. Um, you know, maybe that was okay in 2015 or 2014 um, to just take profit on the first round of inventory, but probably not. It's a long-term investment making an Amazon business. It's a physical product business with a lot of cash flow. Yeah. So definitely takes a different mindset. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing too. A lot of people uh, don't realize, um, for like a lot of our products, we don't even make money sometimes for like the first month or two and we're experienced. But what people don't realize is you, there's a lot of upfront investment, especially on the marketing ranking, ranking, um, side. And not only that, you mentioned like listings. Um, when, when people come to me, it's funny too. They'll come to me, they'll say like, I'm not selling and they'll show me their listing and I go, okay, well, this is why you're not selling. And then they'll argue with me. They'll be like, oh no, it's totally optimized. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> like if you say so, um, you know, it's like, it's that, that, that cracks me up when people do that. They, they're, they like start arguing with me on, on it being optimized. And so I, you know, those, uh, when I see that, I kind of laugh, but, um, yeah, so, uh, don't give up too soon. Um, you know, uh, plow, plow ahead and, um, stay the course and learn. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like I was saying, you know, YouTube and all these resources, watching things like this, there's so many resources out there now that um, if you're dedicated, you can totally make it happen. Oh, on that, on that note, I just found an amazing new Chrome extension that makes my videos watching so much better. It's called uh, what YouTube's or video speed controller. And it works on any video on any website. And you just press like the D and S buttons to speed up the video. Like you press it to oh, make nice. it go up to like nice. 1.5, 1.2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. you speed up. You can press skip ahead 10 seconds. It works on YouTube, Vimeo, like whatever video you're watching. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with meta learning. Like it's learning as fast as possible, right? Totally. So, yeah, so do you have um, uh, Blinkist? Are you a Blinkist fan? I don't actually like Blinkist. Um, I find that their summaries, they take they take all the good stories out. <clears throat> like they try to take the high level bullet points, but most, yep. most business books, they use the stories to actually illustrate the point. And it's, sure. I, I find it just doesn't really get the point across well enough yeah. for me. I, Audible is my favorite, but I have Blinkist too. Like if I'm just standing in line somewhere, I'll, I'll dig into to some Blinkist uh, books once in a while. Yeah. They got me on an annual subscription, so I have it, but I, I should probably use it. <laughs> right. 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 Okay, cool. Um, the next point is, um, uh, make sure that, uh, or one of the mistakes is, is people don't use tools to maximize their return on investment. Like I see that a lot with, even with our tool and I'm sure it's true across the board. Um, you know, especially, uh, when you're running a business, what you have to look at is, um, once again is return on investment. So, um, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're spending X amount on PPC and there's a tool that you can pay like a hundred bucks a month, you know, say you're spending a thousand bucks a month on PPC, there's a tool that you can pay a hundred bucks a month for. Uh, but it'll cut your PVC costs in half and keep your sales the same. Like that's a no brainer, but it's funny how many people are like, don't look at it that way. They're like, Oh, it's an extra hundred bucks a month. Um, you know, if you look at myself on, and my uh, various businesses, I probably have like 20 subscriptions to different tools. But what I look at is the ROI. Like if I, if I can, you know, if I can get the ROI on it, it's, it's a no brainer, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you uh, need to invest in. And the, and the more automation that you can bring to your business, the better off it's going to be. Uh, absolutely. I think this one's kind of a double-edged sword though, because it is also easy to go very overboard. And I think it's really important to be 
very diligent and honest about whether or not you are getting a return off that particular software. Absolutely. Um, because at one point in 2018, um, I had over $2,000 a month worth of software going throughout all of my different businesses. And yeah. you know, most of that was great, but there was a lot of fat that ended up getting trimmed. And I think I, I think I knocked five or 600 bucks a month off of there pretty easily yep. because um, your processes change, things change, some things are better. Um, so it's, it's also equally important to be very diligent. Okay, am I actually getting a return off this particular software? Even if it's only $10 a month or $15 a month, that can add up. No, absolutely. And what, what we do is um, every like month or two, I'll just do like an audit. I, I call it, a, you know, like a business audit, finance audit. And I'll go through just like you said, and figure out which tools we're still utilizing, which tools we're not. Like I just canceled a tool, uh, which is a really, really cool tool called Lumen5. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it makes like really cool videos. Um, but what I found is that every time I go in there to try to make the video, it would take like an hour for them to produce it. And I, w- I would just like, it would just be like, uh, I don't want to sit here and wait for this, you know? So I, I just, I just canceled that because I was like, you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not getting the ROI. I might sign up for it again at a different point, but right now it's just, I don't have the time to invest, uh, you know, into, into, into doing that. So, um, yeah, I totally get, get that point. And that's a good point to, like you said, trim the fats, a, a, a good way to do it. Um, yeah. Well, on the flip side, a, a recent example that I did, um, recently hired a video editor and I was looking at software to help uh, video versioning, like to see the first draft and then suggest edits and stuff like that. Right. And the software I found is only $15 a month. And I'm like, ah, $15 a month for something I can do for free. Like, I, you know, I could just look at the video and make markups. But if you look at the time, the extra time that I would be paying for the video editor um, would be way more than fifteen dollars a month. It's, but the brain right. is telling you, "Oh, you don't want to exactly. have this extra expense." Exactly. Something you free, right. but for sure, it's gonna it's gonna save more than fifteen dollars a month for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I mean in the sense that, like, yeah, find the tools that it, that's a perfect example that are going that's going to uh, you know maximize your your uh, return on investment and and um, you know if you time is money, right? So if it's gonna save you a ton of time, then it's completely worth it. Um, next one is, uh, this is a, a really, really big one. I see this all the time too. And this kind of, you know, goes back into the, the, uh, you know, Q4 in, in the Amazon, uh, groups on Facebook, you're always seeing people trying to unload inventory. Um, uh, people source too much too soon. So, um, my, my, uh, kind of way of sourcing and the way that I've, uh, tried to teach people who are just starting out the way I used to source until I kind of knew what I was doing is I would do uh, like little test buys. So I would go on to, um, for example, like AliExpress and I would start researching products, right? And then I'd start finding products that I like. And then I'd go to Alibaba and see how much they were so I could like figure out my profit if I actually ended up sourcing that product. But then I would just buy like whatever, like 10 units or something on AliExpress, throw up a listing on Amazon and then test it. So I'd test it with PPC, with listing, you know, with my listing being optimized, all that. And a lot of people are super lazy and they don't want to build listings. And trust me, I, I, you know, I've been there. It's, uh, you know, until recently, like some of the tools that came out with us, one of the reasons why I built a listing lightning on sell RCO is that I can build like a super optimized listing really quickly. And it's awesome to test products. Um, so go on AliExpress if, if you can, you know, some products might not be available on AliExpress if it's super specialized or if you're not sourcing from China, of course that won't work, but you know, probably 90% of people will be able to find a comparable product. Um, that you that you want to try out. The other cool thing about that is, like, say you want to iterate. So you like you're like, oh, cool! I've got this marker pen, 
and I love it, but um, it'd be better if it had, you know, a magnet or whatever. You could still source these pens without the magnet and test the market and then add the feature after the fact and customize it with your logo and things like that. But, um, you know, if you, if you can test in small numbers first, uh, then you can prove the concept. Then you don't end up, you know, holding the bag with like a thousand units of something you can't sell or that doesn't have good return on investment. Yeah, I think I think that's a really big one too. Um, I, w- I would like to look at the flip side of that too, because the more commonly I talk to people that um, don't source enough to be successful as well. So like they would order maybe so like ordering ten units is something to test is one thing, but ordering one hundred and fifty units when you actually need to order three hundred units is a completely different thing because then you're going out of stock and you're going to be losing your ranking right. while you're going out. So I think there's two different mindsets. To go with there, you can go with the testing. Okay, I feel comfortable like with a really small amount. And now we can order a big amount of inventory. But so many people make the mistake of just miscalculating how much inventory they need to buy on the first round to avoid going out of stock on the second round if they if they are successful launching and raking that product. Well, so like what we'll do too uh, sometimes is, is actually do two different product listings. So we'll do a, pro- a testing product listing and then we'll relaunch. Um, with a secondary one with like a, a bigger batch of units. And then the first um, test uh, bunch of units isn't, you know, it's generic, it's not branded, um, all, you know, things like that. It's just kind of a, a test to, um, to make sure that there's demand. On the flip side, um, if you know how to do due diligence and you've been doing Amazon for a while, I, this is more of a technique if you're just starting out, maybe it's your first or second product. Um, you know, that's, that's a technique that I would suggest. If you're experienced and you do your due diligence, and, you know, you figure out uh, your numbers, uh, how much, you know, PVC is going to cost you, um, you know, the demand, like, uh, you know, from the competitors, if you're pretty sure that you can get to those, those you know, page ones, uh, things like that, then, uh, yeah, then you definitely want like three months worth of stock is what we usually um, launch with. Um, that's what we do now, but we're experienced, so we know that. So we'll launch with like three months worth of stock. And uh, part of the reason you want to do that is when you, when you do a launch, of course, you you don't want to you don't want to ruin the uh, trajectory, as Danny was saying. Like if if you're doing a launch and really you want to hit it from every angle and really push that listing hard, uh, if you run out of stock, you'll completely um, you know blast that listing. And uh, this time of year, you have to be even better because of the Chinese New Year. You 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 would have had to make sure you have all that stock um, you know planned out. So um, yeah, definitely the flip side to that um, as well. Once you kind of get your uh, get your feet wet with uh, what you're what you're doing and uh, know what you're doing on uh, sourcing. Uh, the next point was kind of, I talked about it a little bit, but um, a lot of people don't take time for due diligence. So due diligence, uh, if you're sourcing on Amazon would be things like, uh, like I said, like PPC costs, uh, looking at uh, the amount of competitors, um, looking at how competitive the uh, like main keywords are for, um, for those products. Uh, looking at like uh, feedback on those products. So like if there's, if you know, if every product in that niche, uh, that niche has like, uh, you know, four and a half, five stars, that might be a hard, um, niche to get into because it's going to be hard to compete with products that are already really good. If you're seeing a bunch of like, you know, three, three and a half, four stars, then, you know, that to me, that's, you know, that, that uh, is an indication of, um, you know, ability to, to jump into that marketplace and, or that, uh, niche and compete. Um, so that's something definitely to think about. Um, anything else you want to add to that, Danny? Um, so specifically opportunities to, um, like suss out competitors that are, are beatable and easy to beat. Well, just due diligence. Like when, you know, when you come up, like, especially with like a product idea, a lot of people will like use jungle scout and they'll see like, 
opportunity scores eight. Woo, I'm going to source it, you know, but then they like don't do anything after that. And then like I, I've had a couple of clients do that and then they get the product and then they go to start a PVC campaign and the cost per click, like the minimum bid is like five bucks. So, um, you know, that, that's where I'm saying like, do your due diligence, like cover up all the different points and, and, um, you know, act like you're already selling that product and see, uh, you know, kind of, kind of build a strategy around that, around the data that's currently available. Yeah. I think this is a really common one where people go wrong too, because they're personally, I have a very, very long list of due diligence items and missing any one of those could be a disaster. Like one, for example, I had a, I had a call with someone who was thinking about working with us last week and um, the product that he wanted to do with us um, had an active patent on it. And he just never even thought really to, to do a patent search for it. Yep. Um, I just kind of looked at it and I'm like that thing's probably patented. It's like one of those weird trendy products. Um, and so I was able to tell him that. And then throughout the course of that conversation, I could just get the feeling that he really didn't know what he was doing. Um, he there was a lot of things that he really didn't understand that he should be checking about the Amazon business model. So people like that, I'm not comfortable taking their money. Like I don't yeah. want them to like spend a large amount of money with us. And then yeah. just, they, they would just blame us for like everything that would go wrong when really Absolutely. he doesn't understand his own business model. And like, right. that is incredibly important. If you're investing a large amount of money into inventory, into getting everything set up, that so many things can just blow your business up immediately. Like you, you don't want to get a patented, product. You don't want to go on trademarks. Um, look on Google Trends. Maybe it's on a big downslope. Maybe you sourced a fidget spinner right when right. fidget spinners tanked last exactly. year. You guys remember that or 2017? Yep. yep. Or, the, or the scooter or the balance scooters or... Uh, oh, that was an even worse one, right? Yeah. Had the yeah, fires. They're fires. all like lighting on fire and stuff. Oh, geez. They're pretty fun though. I do love those things. I've actually never tried one. I, I need to. Uh, they look pretty fun. So... <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So that's kind of what, I, what, you know, kind of overall due diligence. Um, and like you were saying, we turn away more clients, uh, these days than we take, um, because of the, those very reasons. Um, and, and we don't just turn them away, but I give them kind of action points. I say, all right, you need to learn this, 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 and this, this is what I suggest you do. Like I, I, I give them like a, like a lot of times I'll give them like five, a five point list of like what you need to do. Like we won't charge, I won't charge them or anything, but like you said, I don't want to take people's money when I know that it's going to not be successful. I, I just, it's not, it, like you said, it's not worth it for us. It's not worth it for those people. Um, and it's just not good business. You know, it's, I'd rather send them away, uh, you know, so they can go and work on it on their own and then come back to me like, you know, a month later and say, okay, I've got these things dialed in. Let's, you know, let's do this or whatever. Um, so that's, that's a really good point. Um, Another big mistake that I see is people not running PVC. Like there's some people that don't run PVC at all. And it, I just, it like blows my mind uh, when I see that. Like if, 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 if PVC is over your head, which I know it is for a lot of people, at least run an auto campaign. And all you need to do is, is figure out your target ACoS and then raise or lower your bid to, to try to get close to that target ACoS. If, if that's all you're going to do, make sure you're running PVC. If you're not running PVC, you're going to lose. Like, no questions asked. Yeah. And I would challenge anyone out there who is not currently running PPC. If you think it's over your head, you got, you got to learn this stuff and make it not over your head because Amazon PPC honestly is, is maybe the simplest advertising platform out there when it comes to the internet, when you compare it to Facebook ads or Google AdWords, um, those two platforms are infinitely more complex than Amazon PPC. It's not that difficult to learn. 
Yep. And it's so important, like Andy is saying, so important to an Amazon business because it's the only one that is directly connected to your Amazon products that is very easy to track, um, is actually showing up on Amazon. So right. if you don't, if you're not fluent in Amazon PPC, you definitely need to become fluent in Amazon PPC. Yeah. And the other thing with Amazon PPC as well, which a lot of people don't realize, like you were saying, is it's the only way to, get, to actually get stats on what keywords are converting for your product. So like if you're running an, uh, you know, an auto or a manual campaign, you can go and pull your search term report and see that you know, if, I'm, if I'm selling this marker and uh, I see that magnetic uh, you know, felt marker is my, my number one converting keyword, then I might want to go back to my listing and give that that phrase more love in my listing because that's what people are converting for. Um, so, you know, use those search term reports to really, um, you know, be your guide on, on where you should be taking your products uh, targeting wise. Absolutely. To get that same data through Facebook ads and Google AdWords is like some real, real ninja level 10 stuff that you almost need to be like a developer and figure out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, See, would you share your due diligence list? What return rate would you consider optimal for PPC? Are you using it more to test keywords and targeting? Um, due diligence list, um, I don't actually have, it's my due diligence list is in my head because I've done this so much. Um, we're actually starting to rebuild all our processes for, our, for, our, um, for not only our Amazon seller business, but also for our, our software as a service businesses. Um, so when I get that complete, I'll go ahead and share that with you. Um, Return rate optimal for PBC. Well, so that's uh, that's where going back to due diligence. So you, you have to figure out what your what your target A cost is. And um, if you're a member of Seller SEO, um, Karen, which I'm pretty sure you are, uh, go to the A Costinator tool and plug in your ASIN, and uh, and the and the and it'll give you your fees. And you can also kind of um, see what your your uh, break even A cost is. Generally, there's a couple of different theories on PBC. Some people use PBC to um, break even, um, and when they break even, their goal is to uh, boost organic ranks. Um, if uh, some people go a lot higher than uh, break even if they're first launching, um, but most people like to stay, um, you know, ten or twenty percent below uh, break even. Um, you know, a cost they will actually want to get a return on that. So that's what we shoot for um, <clears throat> is you know ten to twenty percent um, below break even. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see optimal. Are you using it more to test keywords and targeting? Um, so we do multiple, we do, uh, when we first launch, um, we actually start with manual and auto. I know a lot of people just do auto in the beginning, but we've been doing this long enough to kind of know what keywords are, are going to convert most likely for, for those products. Um, so we, um, oh, cool. Thanks, Danny. Um, and so we, um, <clears throat> we, um, we'll do a, an auto campaign, uh, at a very, like when we're launching, we'll do an auto campaign with a uh, extremely aggressive bidding. Same thing with our manual campaign. Uh, so like the first week or two, we get super aggressive and that way we, we know we're going to get a ton of impressions and clicks. And that way we know like what keywords are going to work, what are not. And then that's when we start trimming the fat and like uh, laser focusing, uh, you know, changing match types uh, from broader phrase to exact, uh, things like that uh, to kind of like, uh, you know, laser focus in on what's converting. Um, but at least do the auto campaign to make sure that you're, you're harvesting those keywords. Yeah. I mean, that data is so, so valuable. Um, like online business these days is getting more and more about data and the more companies that have the data, the more you need to have the data as well, because that's a huge advantage. A company that has a lot of data versus a company that has not. It's like, it's the equivalent of 
you running around literally into pitch black versus someone else with a giant flashlight. Like it's so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and this last point actually le- le- leads perfectly into the, into the last one, uh, which was, uh, you know, the, one of the other biggest things that, that people have issues with is they don't have systems in place. And we are super guilty of this. Um, and we noticed that with our Amazon business, as we started to grow, we started to run into all these issues and, and, you know, and as we started to hire on staff and bring more people on, we didn't just have this thing to like hand to somebody and say, Hey, go get this done. Um, so that's something that we're really, uh, focusing really, really big on right now, um, on the Amazon business and especially on our software as a service businesses. Uh, we want all those systems tied into, in, into place and to, um, you know, be working really well. If you don't know what, uh, systems are, um, they're pretty much, uh, kind of what, what Danny just posted. It's, you know, like a checklist. It's where you could just hand something, um, you know, ge- generally these days it's, it's digital, you know, whether it's a Google doc or uh, Trello or, you know, whatever it is you're using. Um, uh, Airtable is one of our favorites. Um, use, you know, use something like that where you can literally send the link to, to a VA or whoever, you know, a new employee if they're, or somebody in your office or whoever's doing it. Um, and they can literally go, you know, step one, check this, step two, check this, step two, check this, step four or three, do this with this and, you know, details or whatever. So it's a step-by-step, um, that you can hand to somebody who has, uh, you know, very little training, um, that's able to, um, pass that to somebody else. Um, and then they're able to pick up the reins and, and kind of run with it. Um, and the benefits of course are, you know, increased productivity, able to grow the business, able to scale the business. And then what a lot of people don't realize is when you go to sell the business, if that's your end goal, if you have system systems in place, your business is worth like twice as much sometimes because the new owner is going to be so excited that like they can literally just pick up where you left off and you're not an essential part of the business. You're just the person who built it and got the systems in place and, you know, made sure the gears were turning. Absolutely. Um, I have a challenge for anyone watching this here. Um, this week, as you're just going throughout your regular Amazon regular Amazon things that you normally do. Yeah. As you do each task, take a screen capture video of it, go to loom. I think it's loom.com or something like that. It's a free screen recorder and just record yourself doing it and do some talking to get some context as you're doing it. And then to save that video in a document somewhere, just title it, whatever the name this is like processing refunds or whatever. Right. And over the course of an entire week, you will have already built yourself up a pretty good knowledge base from there. And then if you want to flesh it out, then whoever you're going to be assigning that to, get them to actually build out that standard operating procedure themselves because they're the one doing it. They're the one who can write it in a way that makes sense to them. Um, And as far as tools for that, I've used a lot of different tools for creating knowledge bases. Um, I don't like Google Docs because it's you can't really search within, within the documents. I really love one called Notion, which is very similar to Evernote. Um, I use it also in the same way as Evernote if you're just keeping notes and stuff like that. But really, really powerful tool for creating standard operating procedures, shared documents within a team, um, and just making all of that completely searchable. Um, and it's totally free to start out too. If it's just yourself, it's, or it's like, I think it's $8 a user on top of that or something like that. But absolutely worth investing in creating standard operating procedures. Um, and Notion is definitely my favorite for that. Cool. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll have to check that out. We've tried, like I said, we've tried a ton too, and, and we ended up, uh, we're, we're kind of gravitating towards Airtable. There's so many different tools out there, and I feel like there's new ones all the time. So it's it's hard because once you get kind of entrenched in one, you start building into it, they, they, they kind of got you locked in. So um, Airtable is free as well. 
it's kind of like Trello where you can get like upgrades if you, if you like upgrade, but the, the basic um, plan seems to work um, you know, perfectly well for everything we need to do. So um, check that out. Um, all right. Um, my list of eight, that was, those were my, my list of eight, but, um, something I just thought of, which, which was uh, cool that, you know, you just mentioned a tool, like, what are your, Danny, what are your favorite tools, whether it's like for Amazon or for like just your business? Like what are your favorite tools that you use? Favorite tools. Uh, I mean, the first one that really popped to mind that I think not that many people know about is more of a task management automation tool. It's called Podio. And it's very similar to Trello. You can set it up in boards or you can set it up in lists and stuff like that. But it's a lot more powerful. It has a built-in um, a built-in program that basically does what Zapier does. So Zapier is like an automat an automation. You know, if if the trigger happens, if X happens, then it's gonna like send an email to this person or it's gonna right, do right, this. Right. Right. Um, and Podio has one of its own tools built in that's actually more powerful than Zapier. So we have a lot of really powerful automations. For example, if we drag one task from one column into another specific column, then like all this stuff happens automatically behind the scenes. Uh, that probably eliminates the need for um, probably like a 30-hour-a-week general virtual assistant, just everything we have set up in there. Yeah. So uh, Podio is a really powerful one for task automation. Um, I don't necessarily think if it's just you, you don't need something like this. But if you start to scale into a team, right? Um, it's like $15 a month or something for the entire, for everything. And it saves so much time. Cool. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so one thing I've been like super into, and Danny, you're probably this way too, because it sounds like you're a tool guy, is, um, is like growth hacking stuff, like automation, especially like I love tools like, like you were just talking about. I haven't heard of that. So I actually got to go check it out. That's cool. Um, but like anything that, that um, will automate things is fantastic. So, um, you know, if you're getting into Instagram, uh, a really cool tool is um, iZude. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, it's Instazude, um, instazude.com. And what that'll do is that'll automate like your, um, your, um, your Instagram. So if you're trying to build an audience on Instagram, you can go in there and say like, okay, like um, I want to target, you know, say you're selling uh, baby things. You can go in and target, you know, people who are, who are, you know, putting a hashtag baby in or um, like hashtag mom life or something like that. You could actually go in with the software and say, Hey, I want to follow everybody who's posting um, about that. Um, and then hopefully you'll get a follow back. So really, really good, cool way to build your, uh, yeah, build your brand on Instagram and do it in an automated sense. Not only that, but um, you know, in a, with a lot of these tools, it's, they're kind of like spammy and kind of like black hat. But in this case, because you're actually targeting people who uh, would most likely want to see your products or services, to me, it's a little less spammy because you're actually like targeting people who would be into, um, you know, into that, uh, you know, that niche. Absolutely. Um, I actually have a, a good one that I started using only about a month ago or so. It's a free Chrome extension called Invite All, and it works with Facebook. So um, it's a really good way to build the audience on your Facebook page is to, um, you just run some basic ads, like $5 ads for every piece of content you put out. Um, and then everyone who likes that ad, then you can use the invite all Chrome extension to invite all of those people to your page all at the same time. So let's say that, you know, you, you spend $5 and you got 100 likes on your ad. Um, it, it's pretty reasonable if you're targeting the right audiences. Then you can use the invite all Chrome extension and it'll automatically... Um, it'll automatically select all the people on there and invite them. Otherwise you have to go down and click each one of them manually. Right. right. So yep, yep. I've um, seen that one. Yeah. 
you're yeah, not paying for people to go like your page from India or something like that. I would necessarily right, recommend right, that. Right. Um, you're actually getting people who are interested in your content because they liked it, like your page. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, let's see. Anything else I wanted to mention? Oh, what was the... Uh, you mentioned a video um, editing software. What was that? The editing software. Oh, yeah. That was... Um, that's the software that we use for video versioning. So when our video editor, um, when he comes up with the first draft of something, he'll upload it there and then it allows me to make all these annotations on it, comments in certain places for all the changes and revisions and stuff like that. And it's called frame.io. Really makes it a lot easier to go through that whole process for sure. Awesome. I got to check that one out. That's something we might use. All right, cool. Um, Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think we covered um, tool, like a bunch of good tools. Hopefully people can dive in and check some of those tools out. Um, Like I said, one of my biggest focuses right now, systems is, is huge. Um, in our business and then like automation and then growth hacking. Those are all like kind of the three big things we're, um, you know, we're working on right now. Um, and I think that like in this day and age, if you're not working on those, you're going to get left behind, um, especially <clears throat> on the automated side. Um, so definitely start, you know, digging into that. Um, any um, YouTube channels that you're like super into, not necessarily like Amazon related, but like, um, you know, business related, um, you know, like Gary Vee or like, you know, is there any, anybody that you like watch like religiously or, or listen to religiously like uh, video or podcast wise? Yeah. I mean, I try to keep it pretty tight knit these days and only listen to one or two guys or else, or else you kind of, if you're getting a little bit from a lot of different places, then your view is going to be very skewed, right? You're going to have someone's point of view on one thing and then someone else's point of view on another thing. I prefer to just keep it within um, a very small amount of people. And so when it comes to YouTube channels right now, I'm listening a lot to a guy named Miles Beckler. He has nothing to do with Amazon. He's all about different digital marketing things. Um, he's really good at Facebook ads. He's really good at SEO um, I I, and a lot more mindset stuff when it comes to marketing as well. Yeah, I think I've seen him. He's, he's, the, he's the guy who's like, you know, uh, this doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, he's kind of like a, is he like a, like a British dude or, or like Australian or something? Something like that. He always wears a baseball cap in his video. And yeah, he's always, he made a video like calling out click funnels and a whole bunch of other things recently. Uh-huh. Um, he's always got a, a really honest point of view, which is, um, is, is good to see the flip side in marketing sometimes instead of this is the new hype. No, this is the new hype because right. I have an affiliate link for this. And then, right, you know. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the ones I really like that I listen to a lot lately, um, especially like um, I got a, I got a Google home mini and I, I put it in our bathroom, which people are like, really in your bathroom. Like when I told my, my mother-in-law that we did that, she like laughed at me. I was like, no, it's awesome. Like I can literally jump in the shower and put on a podcast like while I'm showering uh, you know, so once again, it's like the, the ultimate, like, you know, life hack where you're multitasking. Um, but what I, what I usually listen to when I jump in, in the, in the shower is, um, uh, Neil Patel. And I can't remember the other guy's name is, um, I think it's called like marketing minute or something like that. Um, the marketing, marketing school, something like that. Anyway, uh, their podcast, it's, it's pretty awesome. The reason I like it is it's super short. It's like, you know, seven to 10 minutes long. And they're just like, you know, usually it's like a, you know, top five lists. Like the last one was like, you know, top six things to do for SEO in in 2019. You know, and, it, and it's it's usually like pretty quick, but like fairly actionable stuff, which is which is cool. Uh, Neil Patel stuff is great. Um, yeah, I, I I'm on very few marketing email lists, and Neil Patel is one that I just have kept myself on for a long time because the stuff he puts out there is really valuable. He yeah. he, he makes very very 
good, actionable guys when it comes to digital marketing. Yeah, um, he gives a ton of ways, and, ton yeah. of stuff away for free, which, um, you know, there's, there's, there's not a ton of people doing that these days. You know, it's usually like buy my course or whatever. So that's, I mean, he has all that, but like he almost never plugs his own stuff, which is, which is pretty uh, refreshing. He doesn't have to, man. He owns so many assets. People will end up buying his stuff anyways, man. Exactly. He, he has like five different awesome companies you're just going to end up using, even if you don't know that they're Neil Patel stuff. Exactly. Totally. All right, cool. Um, so did you want to, uh, does anybody have any like follow-up questions or any, any questions for um, you know, what we talked about so far, any of the tools, anything like that? Um, go ahead and um, I can either unmute you or you can put them in the, um, in the comments. Uh, you can hit raise hand. I think there's an option to do that. If you've got a question, I can unmute you so we can actually hear you, which is fun. Um, if not, then go ahead and drop them in the questions. And we'll wait like uh like you know thirty seconds for that. If not, then uh, Danny, you said you wanted you uh, you had some listing optimization tips that you wanted to go into. Yeah, I just got a short little presentation uh, built up here about um, an overview of listing optimization and a lot of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're making their product photos or writing their listing. Uh, so you want me to go into that right now? Yeah, sure. Hold on, let me drop the um, this URL for. Um, for Karen here, InstaZood here is it's uh, I'll post it in the chat. There you go. Okay, yeah, Danny, go ahead. Awesome. Okay, can you guys see my screen here? Yep. Awesome. Okay, so um, this was thrown together in like two seconds. So excuse the really ugly looking presentation, but it's going to just be the basics of. What I see most people doing wrong with their listings. I've seen, like, we get hundreds of people coming to us over the last couple of years just with, here's our listing and how can we make it better? So, it's just based off of all that experience. So, this one on the left here, what makes a good online listing? So, obviously, the main image you can see that's really crisp and clear takes up most of the space here. You can tell this guy knows what he's doing. He has a lot of different keywords in his title, which is not necessarily a good thing. But he's obviously spent a lot of time optimizing this, right? He's got these check marks sticking out here. And then over on the right side, this is a really big brand, KitchenAid. You see them all over the stores. <laughs> they have one image. They have one I always laugh about that. Product. I always laugh about the big brands. The big brands are the worst. Totally. A lot of them have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, clueless on yeah. Sorry to interrupt. And I just had to laugh because this, this is literally what I say every time. It's, it's, it's uh, perfect. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no worries. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of sellers, they see these big brands with the really simple listings and they see that as working and yep. they just assume that, oh, I should make my product listing like this too. Yep. And really there is working in spite of that. It's only because they have a big brand. Exactly. Name exactly. It. exactly. My, my one I always use is Stanley tools. Go look up some of Stanley tools listings and you just like, I just shake my head every time. I'm like, oh man, that's why we destroy you. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's funny. I think there's actually a Stanley Tools thing later on in this uh, presentation. Perfect. Yeah. Um, they have this is just, listings. Oh, yeah. I think I use them as a photo example. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they obviously have not filled up much. They've got a few keywords in the title only. Uh, really important to have your, the keyword phrases that you're targeting in your title, like two, two or three main phrases. Uh, there's really not much information over here. And then photos is a super important thing too. So this one on the left here, it's, you can clearly see everything that's going on. One mistake a lot of people make with the main image is they take it from a direct top-down view, like it's two-dimensional or something like that. If there's multiple things, like there's in this image, 
they're just going to take uh, a head-on view when it usually looks a lot better to take it at about a 15-degree angle and multi-layer it. You can see here some stuff is in the background, some stuff is in the foreground. That typically looks way better instead of most people they have the box takes up like a third of the entire image because they have a head-on view of it and then they have the main part of the product is like taking up 20% of the image somewhere over on the left side or something like that. That's yeah, just that's not a good, a good way to yeah, that's a good point too. Is is uh, the other thing I see all the time is the cropping. Like people leave too much white space around. You like you want to get your image as big as possible because it'll pop better. So like you know, in this case, you would want to crop as close to the edges as possible. Um, you know, to make sure that 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 uh, product is as big and crisp as possible from the search screen. Oh, absolutely! And it's super easy on these white background images to just get this little um, either a graphic shadow or a graphic reflection effect done. Just go to clippingpathindia.com. I think it costs like 50 cents an image or something like that. And someone will put on this graphic reflection effect. Really makes it pop out against a white background, uh, especially with your main image. You really want to do something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually, it was Black & Decker, not Stanley yeah. Tools. Here. Uh, close so, enough, though. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah. they're about the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, another big thing is a lot of people, I don't think, understand good lighting versus bad lighting. So this is an example that a lot of people... A lot of people would look at the bottom one just by itself and they'd probably say that that is good lighting. But when you look at it compared to the one above it, Black & Decker, it doesn't look very good, right? It looks kind of dull. It just looks really bland. And you got to think that it, the lighting doesn't have to look good just in the photo by itself. The lighting has to look good against a pure white background because it's really going to look dull if it's, if it's not really good against a pure white background. It's going to look especially dull. So make sure that you use professional studio lighting because that's really the only way you're going to get that look like this photo above here that it just really pops, right? It looks professional. The one on bottom is not necessarily like terrible lighting, but it definitely doesn't pop. It just looks like it's sitting there kind of like a, a meh kind of lighting, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like almost not really blurry, but yeah, it's, it's very dull. Um, you know, something that you can do, if you get somebody who's, who's pretty solid with Photoshop, they could actually make the bottom one look a little bit more like the, the one on the top. Um, but like you said, the, 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 when you take the photo or when you get the photo done, like the, the raw photo, the better quality the raw photo is, the better quality the processed photo is going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's different levels of salvageable. You can always get someone to literally do a rendering on top of your product. Right. But I mean, that's, you know, you don't want to be doing that. That yep. can cost, cost a lot for someone to do it really well. And uh, it's just not going to look as good initially. Cool. Another thing is graphic design photos. A lot of people make the mistake, like the guy on the right, where they have so much text on here and you can't, like, I'm on my 17-inch laptop screen right now and I can't even really read what's going on here. I can't really tell what's going on here. There's too much information. Um, it's, and especially on a mobile screen, if I had this, if I clicked to zoom in on my mobile screen, I would not be able to read this at all. I would have to click to zoom in and then pinch it and then, scroll around to see what's going on. And such a small amount of people are going to actually do that, that you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Whereas the one on the left, very clearly you can see what's going on in this image. Even if it's on my tiny mobile screen, I could see, oh yeah, okay, it's a 17 ounce bottle. It's this size. You can clearly see the bottle. There's not way too much stuff going on. Um, and so that's one of the biggest mistakes to see with the graphic design images. If there's text on the screen, as a rule, it should be readable on a small mobile screen. And then it's, then that means that there's not too much text on there that is well optimized. Yeah, and, and like uh, you said, yeah. the other good thing about that photo too is it's, um, 
they have the background blurred and you know in that in that type of photo is really good because you're bringing the focus mm-hmm. back to the product so you got you see you got the foreground and the product's super ultra crisp and clear and then you got the fade in the background with the text over the fade which uh, that's a really really good effect totally it looks so professional that way um, and to get that, you need you need a camera with a shallow depth of field or a really low f-stop. So talk to your photographer about uh, you know shallow depth of field or low f-stop if you're looking for something like that. And you can also build uh, like you can hire somebody to build that image, but you can also do that fairly easily as long as the starting image is good. And like Canva, I, we use Canva to build images like that a lot, which works really well and it's free. Totally. Yeah. You could get, you could get the background removed, like clipped out for like 50 cents by something like Clipping Path India. And then you could layer it against the beach in the background or something. You don't have to go to the beach and get, you know, hire a photographer for a thousand dollars. Yep. You can use Pixabay and grab a super nice, uh, like lifestyle image and then yeah, Photoshop it in. Absolutely. Um, and the lifestyle images here. So a few things, uh, well, we just talked about this shallow depth of field, making it a blurry background. Like you can see there, you can see, the bicycles in the foreground, but all the all the competitors are in the background here. And one of the most difficult things about lifestyle images that I think is super important is you want to be able to tell a story. And the story you want to tell is you want the buyer to be able to envision themselves receiving the benefit of the product. So what are you trying to show? What benefit are you trying to show with that lifestyle image? A lot of people, they'll just show a picture of oh, hey, here's a model and they're holding the product next to their face and looking into the camera. And it just, (laughs) I cringe every time I see that. It's like, why don't you just put the product on a table and it's going to be just as good of a photo, right? Um, So having the model actually enjoying the main benefit. Yeah, it's weird. It looks so off. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It looks super like, yeah, like a a Stephen King TV show or something. Yeah, absolutely. So like using the model actually they should be in the act of receiving the main benefit that you're trying to highlight in the photo. Plan it out in ahead. What benefits do you want to show off in the lifestyle images and then actually get that shot? Um, and the last thing I mentioned about that is just focus on the product too. You see a lot of people, it's just like the products, you can't even really see it in the photo and the model's like, maybe the model looks really hot or something, but it's the product is not a focus of the thing. And people are, they want to buy the product. They don't want to look at pictures of hot models plenty of better places to do that on the internet than Amazon. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Keep it to Amazon. Um, hey, well, one, one, one quick thing to go to, Danny, when somebody's asking. Um, so in a previous yeah. slide, there was like the green check marks in the bullet points. Um, those are UTF-8 um, uh, characters. Um, so if you just search like UTF-8 um, uh, emoticons, you can usually find stuff to do that. Now, uh, warning on those. I know tons of people on Amazon do it. Uh, just be careful because technically that can be against TOS. I haven't heard of anyone ever getting in trouble for that. Um, but uh, don't be surprised if, you know, Amazon usually has like you know, something they crack down on. They, they pick like, you know, in January, we're going to crack down on the green check marks in, in product listings or, you know, the, the UTF char- eight characters in product listings. So you can do that. Just be careful that, you know, you could be a target for Amazon, um, you know, if you do that. Yeah, and it's one of those things like we do that in all of our client listings and literally have never had a problem with that. And that's hundreds, that's hundreds of listings. So yeah. um, I think it's pretty safe. Um, yeah. Certain it, ones it, won't work. You just got to use the, the right ones. Copy and paste it from Google or something. Yep. And make them relevant. Like, like, like we, use, we use them on, on a couple of ours as well. And 
And one of ours is like an outdoor product. So we have like little camp um, UTF characters on each bullet point, you know, like be creative with those things. Uh, Cause there's so many out there that will actually like actually make the listing look cool. And I think that's why Amazon's not, <laughs> not cracking down on it because if it's irrelevant and actually like brings attention to stuff, like, you know, I don't think they care that much. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the bullet points look so bland anyways, you got to make something stand out. Right. Um, and one of the last things I'm talking about here is be benefit driven, not feature driven. And this is something a lot of people, they, they think they understand, but they don't understand to the extent that they probably should. So a feature is what something does, what something is, and a benefit is what something does. So, um, for example, let's use the example of a microfiber towel. So it's made of microfiber. That's a feature, but soaking up four times the water of a regular towel with half the bulk is a benefit. So how did we get from point A to point B there? The ask why three times method. Most people stop at one or two levels. They, it's like, okay, so why is this good? Oh, it's good because it's made of microfiber and it's more absorbent. So they stop there and that's their main benefit. But really, we should be going two layers deeper. So why is it good that it's more absorbent? Uh, well, it, that's good because it's faster to dry things off. Um, well, why is that good? Well, it gives you more fun time by doing reducing your boring chore time. So that is getting a little bit too far away from a microfiber towel. So we got to tie it back again. So that's how we came to the um, soaking up four times the water of a regular towel with half the bulk right there. It, it's tying that core benefit back to the actual product. So don't stop at only one layer deep. Go two layers deeper. And this stuff applies not just to your Amazon listing. Do this for the headlines of your Facebook ads. Do this anywhere you're talking about your product. If you can actually find the real core benefit it's way more powerful than saying something like it's made of microfiber or it's more absorbent than other towels because yeah. people can make those connections in your brain. You want to make that super deep connection in their brain that is better than they can articulate it themselves. Yeah. You want them to envision that they're, they're using the product or, enjoy, or enjoying the product. <laughs> totally. And the last slide that I have here, um, just optimize for the right keywords. So if you're not indexing for a search phrase, you're not going to show up in the search results, right? So you want to be optimized for the right keywords. Identify the top keyword search phrases. You know, keyword research by Viral Launch is fairly good. Obviously, Andy's got Seller SEO. It's a good tool as well. Um, honestly, keyword research by Viral Launch, I have some qualms with it these days. I wrote this slide a little while ago. Um, I do have some qualms with that. So I'd honestly rescind that recommendation for keyword research. We still do use it, but we do use other keyword tools as well. Um, write two to three of the most important phrases into the title. Any more than that, really, and it starts to become keyword stuffy. Um, we found three search phrases in phrase order. So that means like um, barbecue gloves, heat resistant, for example, if that was a phrase in that exact order. Um, and then test the indexing. Um, this actually doesn't really work anymore. Type in the keyword plus the ASIN into the Amazon search bar. I would use a tool out there that has some other methods of checking the indexing. Um, that used to be the way to do it. And the last thing, don't keyword stuff, right? Don't just put a million things into the title. This is an example below. Try to read through this. House smile, BBQ gloves, heat resistant, rubber black cooking gloves, silicone grilling glove for kitchen pizza cooking, meat shredding cloth, silicone brush, super value of four barbecue accessories. It's just no one, no one can understand what's going on there, right? It looks like some Chinese seller who's just like blasted a listing up there and it looks bad on your brand, right? So... That's pretty basic as far as optimizing keywords, but right there, if you just do those things, you're gonna you're gonna avoid a lot of the mistakes that people make. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to add on that, um, 
Danny, I don't know how you, how you do it, but like, uh, and this is kind of how, um, if people use our listing lightning tool, we've kind of built that in, um, to the process, you know, that, that tool actually like uses the process that we used to do manually to optimize listings. But, um, for us, so like, for example, if you use those three phrases in the title, um, you want to make sure that you repeat those phrases. Uh, we found three to be the magic number as well. Uh, not only in the title for phrases, so like, you know, three separate phrases in the title, like Danny was talking about, but then like going into the bullet points and the description, like if we have like three phrases that we're super targeting and we're, we're like, we know that those three phrases are going to bring us the most conversions and are the most relevant. We make sure that we list them three times throughout the listing um, besides the title. So like it would be in the title then we do it in at least uh, two bullet points, possibly three. And then at least one time in the description, um, you can test, you know, that theory differently. Um, but once again, just like the title bullet points, um, are also uh, ranked by what comes first. So you want to try to make those phrases come earlier in the bullet points, but you also don't want to overdo it and make it like the first one in like every single bullet point because it'll just look spammy and weird. Um, but try to work those important phrases in throughout the entire listing. Um, that's going to make a huge difference in relevancy and, and where you show up in search. Yeah, we actually have the exact same rule. Um, the top five main search phrases have to show up in at least three sections of the listing. And for each one of those listings, actually now it is the subject matter keywords. All of those are going to be in exact phrase order in the subject matter. Um, I interviewed Kevin King a little while ago uh, for the Actualized Freedom podcast. It's actually coming out on a Wednesday, his episode. Um, and he mentioned this is something that he does with all of his products. He, according to what he's seen, subject matter is um, the number two field when it comes to importance of where to put your keywords after the title. So that's pretty powerful, right? So that's why he puts his top keyword phrases in phrase order in the subject matter yep. um, as well. Yeah, we do that as well. And we actually use that, that um, we use the, the subject matter, uh, especially for special events. So like, you know, Christmas holiday, we put all, we put all our um, Christmas um, stuff uh, in there. Um, and then same thing with like, you know, any holidays or things like that, like, you know, stuff that might not make sense in the listing, but is ultra relevant um, in the, in, in the wider, um, audience that you're, you're, um, targeting or that could be targeting. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've seen that as well, that, that the uh, subject keywords are, um, are ultra relevant and, and, and do have a lot of weight in terms of uh, search for Amazon, at least at this point, they're always changing it though. So who knows, right? <laughs> who knows what yeah. it's going to be next week? <laughs> yeah. This week, this week, that's the way to do it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Too uh, something else to, to uh, you know think about when you're building these listings is um, go back to these listings, like you know put put it as part of your process. Um, you know maybe do do processes that have like um, expiration dates, and a lot of these tools will do that for you. Um, you know like uh, like Podio, like you're saying Podio, maybe Podio has like something where you can kick back after like two weeks or whatever back into the queue, um, and maybe just even have a VA or something like that. Um, you know, go through and, and look at the listing um, and, and update the listing once in a while too. Now, generally, if you're like killing it on your listing, a lot of people don't mention this, but if you're like doing super well on your listing, it's continuing to climb, you're building rank, everything's going well. Generally, you don't want to touch it uh, because if you do, if you change something, a lot of times Amazon will re-index it and you'll all of a sudden you're, you'll see your, your, your ranking plummet. Now, uh, that's kind of frustrating because sometimes you're like, oh, I've got this great new way to like target you know, this product, or I thought of a different audience I can market this to, um, which is great and all, but only do that if you're on the decline. If you're, if you're steadily increasing or doing really well on that product, don't touch the listing. Like we, we had one of our best selling items. Um, that's, uh, kind of a big holiday item 
We didn't touch it since last year. It, it did so crazy last year that we literally did not touch that listing. And this Christmas we did like last Christmas, we ran out, ran out of stock this Christmas. We like made sure we had a ton of stock and we, we, we ended up going through the entire holiday without running out of stock, which was awesome. Um, and the, the listing just did that much better this year. So we're not going to touch it again. And the next year it's probably going to do the same thing unless we start, uh, you know, seeing a decline. Um, you generally don't want to touch the listing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I see a few questions that I got quick answers for. Uh, Karen's asking, do you like merchant words? And my, my answer for that is no. Yeah, you should not be using merchant words. <laughs> yeah. um, it's very interesting. You can, you can run this test yourself. Um, I've, seen, I've seen a video of, uh, I can't remember who it was, but they had a merchant words CSV export from one year previous for a search phrase. And then one year later, they came back and did the exact same search and they got the exact same results with the exact same search results estimates and everything like that. So, I mean, that to me just tells me that it's complete garbage. Yeah. Well, um, we can't so, really argue with that. Yeah. So, so uh, the, the, the thing that's kind of crummy is that uh, Amazon just closed the, the uh, data point for uh, keyword volume. So no tools have volume anymore, uh, which makes things a little bit harder. Um, you know, now it's kind of a guess, like for our listing lightning tool, we have an algorithm that we built um, that, does a really, really good job of uh, telling you what are the, what, what the most important phrases are in terms of uh, like volume and, um, and relevancy. Uh, but of course uh, it's a guess. And if any other tool says, Oh no, we've got it dialed in. They're full of, full of shit because everybody's using, it's just like jungle scout or viral launcher, any of these tools that they're collecting data and then using that data and putting it through their own algorithm and making a guess on what these things are, especially now that the volume, that keyword volume's gone. Um, so just be really uh, cognizant of that when you're when you're using uh, different tools. Um, the cool thing is, so um, our seller SEO keyword tool used to have volume, which was cool because you could take volume um, and then look at the competition and figure out like what keywords were low competition, high volume. Now that we lost the volume, that sucks because you can't you can't find those gems anymore. But um, still use, uh, or that, that tool is still really useful because the competition, um, number is usually going to be, uh, pretty close to what the volume is going to be. So in other words, if that keyword is the, is the, you know, has the most competition generally, not always, but generally those keywords are going to be the keywords with the highest volume. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point on that. Um, and another one from David Jones, um, dashes, he wants to know if dashes are best practice to separate phrases in product titles. So the way I like to do it, I like to have three dashes in the title just to break up. It's, it's almost always, oh, well, actually, no, two, two dashes total to break it up into three sections. It's almost always that, sometimes three dashes. Yeah. Um, so the first section of the title will be like main search phrase, the main uh, phrase of the product. The second little section separated by space dash space will be the most important describing information of a product, like, um, you know, 250 ounces or whatever it is, um, this style of product, yada, yada, yada. And then the third bit will be um, either some benefits or other main search phrases for the product, that kind of thing. So I like to separate it into sections instead of like not necessarily separating all the different keywords, but definitely separate it with sections with the dashes. Um, I think looks best, but yeah. really you can yep. use whatever you want to break it up. Yeah, I just think use... that the, the dashes look best. Yeah. Same here. We use dashes as well. You can also use pipes. Um, a lot of people will use pipes. Um, some people use commas. I agree that dashes look the cleanest, uh, read the, read the best. That's how we do it. Um, 
And we also, um, when we build titles, we're also cognizant, uh, which I'm sure you are too, uh, Danny, is to break the title up into, like try to break that first section up into uh, mobile view so that that title looks good on, on mobile. And I think it's 80 characters um, for mobile. Uh, I have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it's 80 characters. Anyway, you want to you wanna make sure that that first section is, is uh, as good as possible, not only with your main phrase or phrases, but you know that look reads really well so that on mobile it, it reads um, uh, really well. That's um, pretty important. So Totally. A lot of people forget that the title is also has a lot to do with click-through rate too. People are scrolling. They want to know that what they're clicking on is what they're looking for. So you need that really important, relevant information in the first little bit of the title to get people to click on your listing. It's not just all about keywords, right? No, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And then it uh, looks like uh, David had another question about bullet points. Um, I'm not sure what you guys do, Danny, but um, we do the... the uh, we generally try to stick around 250 characters in the bullet points. We go over that sometimes. Um, and, and a lot of people say not to, but, uh, so far in our testing, it, it, we, we seem to index, um, I think it has more to do with relevancy. Um, but generally we try to stick right around 250 per, um, per bullet point and then product description. Um, I, the max is 2000, I think for most categories, uh, we generally do a minimum of a thousand. So between a thousand and 2000, we try to get within that. Um, you know, generally we end up probably around 1500 is average, um, to what we end up with, um, um, in the description. I don't know about, what about you, Danny? How do you do that? Uh, for us, the bullet points, we like to keep them around 150 to 170. So really, really tight knit, really close. We like to keep it around only two lines per bullet point so that more people will actually read them. Um, we've actually tested this quite a bit and seen really small conversion rate bumps moving it down. Um, also, it can be hard to index a lot more keywords um, if you have the bullet points are all the way filled out. Um, and it, yeah, we've seen some good data to show that the shorter ones um, seem to be working better for us. And product description, it almost always comes around to about 1,500 characters or so. We have a template that we use uh, where we just go through certain things, you know, call to action at the end and bullet point list in the middle and like kind of frequently asked question sections in there. So um, usually about 1,500 characters. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, <laughs> excuse me. So um, uh, the other thing that, that uh, can kind of play into that as well is, um, you know, different categories of products um, index differently. So um, what we do a lot of times is we'll do short and long and we'll A-B test it, um, not only for conversions, but also to see like if, we're, if we can index because, you know, the more characters you can put in there, the more you can index for. So, um, you know, that's something you should really test on your listing itself. Um, but what you have to be uh, aware of is sometimes if you do super long bullet points, uh, like your your fourth or fifth bullet point might not index at all. Like it, there's some like weird intricacies. So um, you know, def, definitely play with that on your listing, and and depending on the category, that that might make a difference. Absolutely, yeah. And I think gone are the days of like trying to get the most keyword phrases indexed into your listing as possible. Amazon takes relevancy a lot more into into effect now. It seems when it comes to the ranking. Um, so I'd rather have a really tight, super relevant listing with ranking for less search phrases then just try to get like, you know, 250 search phrases all indexed and, and ranking for in my Amazon listing because it's probably going to have the opposite effect you want it to. Amazon's going to think your product is something that it's not. Your PPC is not going to work as well. Um, it's, just, it's just not a good idea anymore. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. All right. Cool. I think, uh, I think we've covered any, everything. Uh, anybody else have any more questions? Please go ahead and drop them. If not, we'll about wrap up. All right, Danny, so are you going to go back to bed? 
Back to bed. Heck no, man. I got to get in the, I got to wake up for a marathon in like four days. It, the marathon starts at 3 a.m. So this, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. today and yesterday. So I got to start waking up earlier and staying up, if anything, man. I am oh, like, right. I'm going to be in bed at 8. You got to get practice. You got you to do, uh, <laughs> do the jump into the ice, uh, the ice shower every morning. Yeah, I used to do that in Canada. I used to have a really cold shower first thing in the morning. But here in the Philippines, the water is not cold enough at all. Like the coldest water setting is like a swimming pool. So unfortunately, I <laughs> can't do that anymore. <laughs> go, go to the ice machine. <laughs> yeah, I have to. That's the only way out here. There you go. Cool. All right. And, uh, and Danny, tell, tell everybody, like, you know, plug whatever you want to plug. Um, and, uh, you know, I know, like, you have, you have a podcast and, and your, your, your uh, consulting business and all that. Go ahead and plug away. Yeah, guys. Um, so the Actualized Freedom podcast, it's all about Amazon stuff. Um, like I said earlier, I think the Kevin King episode is coming out on Wednesday. I've uh, got Manny Coates on there, some really good guests. Got to get, uh, and I'm talking with Andy about getting him scheduled on here to talk about some, some SEO stuff too. So that's going to be good. Um, and other than that, guys, you can just reach out to me on Facebook. Just look up Danny Carlson on Facebook. Uh, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, I'm happy to respond on Messenger or whatever. Um, yeah, any of the stuff listing optimization is good. Cool. All right, Danny, we'll appreciate you getting up early. And uh, yeah, and thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, yeah, it uh, looks like a lot of people are going to catch us on replay because <laughs> we had 40 people sign up, but we only ended up, ended up with about 10. But uh, uh, I know that we'll, we'll keep growing. And for the, for the first episode, uh, the first real episode, that's not too shabby. Um, but uh, anyway, cool, Danny, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time, uh, you know, this builds more and more. Um, in, in the, uh, the beta version of this we did, uh, where everybody could, um, you know, could jump in and kind of, uh, you know, ask via voice, not just text, which was really fun. Um, so if, if you're, uh, if you guys follow me, go and check back, uh, through my feed or in the, uh, Amazon, uh, FBA Titans group, and you'll see the replay on that. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, there was a lot of really good Q and a, so, um, check that out and, uh, thanks again, Danny. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, Hopefully set a time to, to uh, so I can uh, I can jump on with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We'll get that uh, get that interview face going. Boom. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, Danny. <laughs> Take care, man. All right. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.